For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast 2021 so far kind of feels the same as 2020 unfortunately but that's okay i am here providing you with that content with that good content every single week we got a great episode today i did this one live on twitch Add me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shane Told. I'm doing podcasts live on there, but don't worry. They're still going to be right here on this podcast feed every single week. And it's a good one. Michael Jag, Jagman of A Skylit Drive, formerly of, I should say. I mean, the band is defunct. He was the man in that band. Now he's doing some awesome new music with a project called Signals. Exciting stuff. But what I love about Michael or Jag, whatever you want to call him, is he is so forthright, so honest. And on this one, he delivers, man. He doesn't hold back. You are going to learn some stuff about a Skylet Drive, the music industry, how crazy it can be, and what a life that he's had. But he's doing great now. And I want to thank Michael so much for taking the time and talking to me. As always, before we get into that, yes, Twitch. Add me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shane Told. I am doing tons of stuff on there for this podcast. Also, this is the new shit with Mike. We're doing it live on there, and I'm doing a bunch of stuff, music stuff and whatnot on there as well. So don't sleep on that. If you want to help out the show, of course, we still have the All Access Club. That's growing every day as well. Welcome to all my sinners. New and old, it's awesome. 
It's really awesome. And of course, if you want to get in touch with me, a good old-fashioned email will do the trick. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. That's the, that's it. That's it. That's all the stuff. So check out that, the All Access Club, Twitch, and you can send me an email. It's all good. It's really, really good. I'm going to experiment with keeping my intro really short. How about that, huh? Happy New Year. Here it is, my conversation with Michael Jagman, formerly of A Skylet Drive and now of Signals. I'm here with Michael Jagman, formerly of Skylet Drive, band that did a lot of great things for a long time, and now in a new band called Signals. You know, I guess what is best to start out with is just kind of where we're at right now in the world. It doesn't seem like a great time to be launching a new record from a new band uh, <laughs> when you can't go on tour. Well, the crazy thing is the years that went into making this record, like we've been writing it since must have been late 2017, early 2018. And I live in Texas and he lives in California. So right. the whole process was done through email. And uh, the first producer fell through. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we teamed up with a record label, um, which that, you know, at, at first we were thinking of going DIY and then we changed our minds. Um, and, uh, and then we got teamed up with another producer who's based all the way out of Australia, which right. took a while to find the right producer considering like the traveling that, you know, that was going between us. We needed somebody who was going to be confident and comfortable with doing everything pretty much through email. <laughs> yeah. um, so we landed um, with the producer, Jimmy Alexander. He did the new Slaves record as well. So he was, he was awesome to work with. He's probably the, probably the nicest producer and just, you know, best all around you know dude that i think i've made a record with um and then it just so happened that, that the timing landed in in 2020 that the record was done and it was honestly planned even late last year that the record was going to come out late this year so it was one of those things where again kind of snowballed into what it became right right well the record is out now it's called death and divide it's it's an awesome record um i listened Thanks, to it I listened to it when it came out, and I just listened to it again uh, just today, uh, you know, to kind of kind of get get my feet wet with uh, with you and, and everything um, to talk about. Um, you know, I guess like, you know, one thing you said, like you said to Alt Press, and so I'm going to kind of use their interview for this interview, but I found it really interesting that you came right out and said, you know, I'm used to being in a band where I felt pushed around a lot with a lot of things pushed to do things. I didn't feel were the right direction for my voice. And, you know, now you're working with one other person, which I think tends to maybe help, uh, you know, that creative process, but talk to me a little bit about the differences between making this new signals record and the other records that you made, uh, you know, in your past with uh, mostly with the Skylet drive. Yeah. Well, I think after doing all the records, with a Skylet Drive, which even right near the end, I feel like the process that was taken with the Signals record was also kind of the same process as the last Skylet Drive record, because it was just me and the guitarist who pretty much wrote it all, and we did it all a lot from afar. So yeah. it was a it was a really similar process. But John and I have always been close friends. Um, so the so the band that I mentioned before, Skylet Drive, that 
gave me the name Jag. Um, that was the band Odd Project, and John was in that band with me. And so him and I remained good friends. Right. And then, you know, you know, he would always, you know, send me new music that he was working on, and I was always just really impressed uh, with his talent. And uh, as I started to want to get back into music after kind of taking kind of like a little break from music, um, you know, early 2016 is kind of when that started. Um, is when John hit me up again and he was like, Hey, like check out some of these songs that I've written. And they just blew me away. It was the exact kind of music that I wanted to write over. And I feel like it just, uh, that I could kind of hear where things were going when I first heard the songs. Uh, cause he already had a lot of the songs put together and then we wrote a lot of them together as well. Um, but the process was just, it was just fun. I feel like in the past, every record was kind of trying to figure out how we should do it. Um, which, you know, that stresses some people out. They, <laughs> yeah. you know, some people want to step on other people's toes, be controlling. No, you do more of this. Because I feel like if I listen through every Skylar Drive record, I feel like I sound different on every record. Because right. we were doing something different that I didn't always really want to do. But then again, it was kind of, well, you know, I'm in a band. You're, you know, you got to work with everybody. Um, where sometimes it was them and then the producer would get carried away with it and then I'd get pushed in this whole other direction where some records I, I can't even listen to because I'm like, <laughs> I'm totally not happy and I was miserable when I made the record. Yeah. I won't say it out loud because I don't want anybody else to be like, oh, well, he hates this record. <laughs> um, but um, but there's definitely some that were more enjoyable than the others. Um, yeah. And kind of that... <laughs> That kind of like, you know, you know, you're in a band. There's some records that you look back and it's like I had a blast making this one and I hated making that one. Yeah. Um, And sometimes those those toxic relationships can get, you know, really heavy. And at points they got heavier than others. No, totally. I've I've always appreciated how honest and forthright you've been just with when you're when you talk in interviews and stuff. um, You know, you're kind of an open book because that's that can be a rare thing in this world for singers. And I want to get into all that. And I want to talk about a Skylight Drive uh, and and the whole, you know, your whole career and and some of the drama. But I I really do want to hear kind of about your your humble beginnings a little bit. Um, You know, how you grew up, how you got into this whole thing, how you woke up one day and was like, Hey, I can sing and I can sing really high. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about the early beginning, um, the early days, uh, of how you grew up with your parents and, and how music kind of entered your world. Cause I lo- always love that story. Yeah. Well, for me, it was not, it was not a fun, you know, Willy Wonka wizard of Oz story. Um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, my parents got divorced. I think I was around six or seven. Um, I lived with my dad, with kind of uh, on and off between my older brother and my twin sister. And uh, my dad got heavily into drugs. He was a defense lawyer. We lived in Dallas, Texas. And, um, Mm. you know, it it really took him down. Like when the marriage fell apart and then drugs was brought into it, we were now, you know, a product of uh, things that we didn't understand. It was far outside of our scope considering, you know, my age. My older brother had a much better understanding because he was three years older than us. So he was able to kind of see this deterioration from a better scope. Whereas for me, it was just normal life. Uh, you know, I woke myself up for school every day starting in third grade. Uh, I would wake wow. myself up and make my bowl of cereal, um, you know, get my lunch money and change. Um, you know, I would have to, you know, wake up my dad as he was passed out to get my money from him. 
which, Man. you know, which I'm sure I've said it before. I'm sure I was short just about every time because it's not like I knew exactly how much I needed. I just got as many big coins as I could and uh, would take myself to school. Like it was walking distance from my house, thankfully. So I would walk myself to school and, you know, like the whole motto, don't be a fool, stay in school stuck with me back then. Like I was like, well, I don't want to be a fool. <laughs> um, so I guess that, that, that kind of, you know, kickstarted my mentality of being independent and uh, just, you know, working hard for what I want. Um, and then when things hit too far south, I ended up uh, up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is where I spent the bulk of my teenage years. And um, that's what also gave me the opportunity to be able to purchase my first musical instrument, which was a bass guitar. Yeah. Um, so Kiss was what got me started in music, really. Um, <laughs> Gene you know, Simmons I, I saw them on, the on their you know, reunion tour when they got Peter and Ace back and they got the makeup <laughs> back on. And I was 11. I made my own shirt and it smelled like you remember those really thick silver permanent black markers. Yeah, yeah. It smelled awful. So I had this plain Hanes white shirt and I did the whole logo myself. And nice. I'm, I'm pretty sure like... I, you know, I had some kind of kid high just from wearing the shirt because of how strong the fumes were. And I did the makeup myself and everything. And um, uh, my oldest half-brother took me to the show. And that just opened up my world to, to music. And from that moment on is when I said, this is what I'm going to do. That's, and, that's uh, yeah, that's funny. I went to that tour too. I think the same one. Um, really? would, would it, it would have been like 96 you got it, ninety six. Yeah, I, and I have a, sh- I have the actual shirt, uh, the tour shirt. I oh, remember wow. I begged my father. Well, we got it was weird. It was at the Sky Dome in Toronto. You know, the huge like fifty thousand, you know, seat stadium uh, where the yeah. Blue Jays play. And and um, my dad, he used to be for his company. He was like the guy that had all the um, access to the seats uh, to like bring clients or whatever. So. Uh, you know, I went to like a few Blue Jays game games once in a while, but um, I was lucky that no, like none of his clients wanted to go see Kiss. I guess they were all old farts and didn't didn't want to go to a rock show. So I yeah. was able to he was able to sneak me in uh, on the corporate seats and I watched them from a like a box. <laughs> and wow. uh, and yeah, awesome. I guess I was because I'm a little bit older than you. I would have been like 15. Uh, and it was a great show, and and I've I always like Kiss, man. Ever since like I th- it was one of the first songs I ever heard was, uh, was you know Kiss Dynasty, and I was made for loving you. That was like when I was a little yep. kid. I know that's the that's like they didn't play it at the show. Like they hate that song, but um, but I love yeah. Kiss, man. That's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, what, what actually bridged me into it was when I learned that they wrote "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," or they oh yeah because because everybody knows it from the end of uh, Bill and Ted. I think it's the second yeah yeah yeah. And I was always in love with that song. And then one of those you remember back in the day, it was like you know rock hits, and it would play and it would stream them. And the one that was playing was in all yellow, and it was and all of a sudden "God Gave Rock and Roll to You" came up. You know, as it was scrolling down, it was playing it, and I was like, oh my god, Kiss wrote that song. And, uh, and my brother had bought Kiss Alive 3, and he hated it. So, uh, and, and they played it at that show. Um, oh, cool. Or on that album. And so I took it, and I just, just played the hell out of it. Yeah. And then they were really my only musical, you know, anything from age 9 to probably like 13. And then I started getting into, you know, like Def Leppard and Quiet Riot and more of the bands that kind of came right after them, like more in the glam rock era. And then that transitioned into hardcore pop punk and and everything else in between there sure sure yeah <laughs> i no. actually remember listening um uh, to you guys it was in jackson hole on our cd listening station 
and I, and I was sitting there and it had like little examples of everything. And I was all like, okay, you know, I'll check this one out. And then, and then that became my favorite record of that time. <laughs> no, well, thank you, man. That's nice. That's nice <laughs> of you to say. That's cool. Um, uh, no, I, I wanted, I want to talk about kiss one more time cause I didn't get it in. And I always had the same opinion as you of God gave rock and roll to you. I always thought it was such a banger. But I, yeah. it was uh, like no one knows about the song, I guess. Like when you talk about Kiss songs, it's never in on any lists. Like no one ever talks about it being in like the top 10, 15, 20 Kiss songs. I, yeah. Maybe is it just like I'm not I'm not as well versed in the Kiss discography as I should be. Is it on any of the records or is it just on that soundtrack? It's just a live three. I mean, as oh, okay. far as I know, it's only on Kiss Alive 3. And all those Alive records, they didn't actually, like, sure, they had a big performance and they did track certain parts. But then, of course, yeah. they would, you know, if things didn't pan out, you know, if they didn't get, you know, like the crowd, you know, like the audience just where they wanted it, they would, you know, like they admitted to, like, retracking things to make the record what it sounded like in the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, that's super cool. The only place that I know of that has that song, yeah. aside from the soundtrack. Well, you, you talk a little bit about. I'm going to jump, jump, jumping around a little bit here. But while we're on the topic of you know you saying that my band, you listened to my band, we were somewhat of an influence on you, which is kind of cool. You made a record with Cameron Webb, didn't you? Um, who produced yep. a couple uh, Silverstein records? I remember Cameron mm-hmm. actually like hitting me up when he was working with you guys and, and talking about it and saying how you guys like loved us. And I was like, Oh, it's kind of cool. I did. I like <laughs> think I think we toured together before that. And I didn't really know. Um, but, uh, but how was that experience working with Cameron? Cause, cause I mean, we made, oof, well, we made like two records and he mixed a couple. So, and he's one of the best people. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, he was great to work with. And, and I really like, he was probably the first producer that, I, th- I think especially for, for like a singer, cause me in the studio, I hate being crowded, you know, like that's when, you know, your voice tightens up. You don't feel as comfortable. Yeah. You maybe have a couple people in the room and he was the first producer where as soon as I, like him and I were working on one song and then a few of the guys came in back into the room. Cause you know, his studio, you can see straight through the glass, through the drum room. Yeah. Did you ever go to the studio that's yeah. in Santa Ana? Yeah. We recorded discovering the waterfront there. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so then I could see him directly and then he could immediately notice the difference in my voice as soon as a few people entered the room and he just literally stopped it and he said, you guys got to get the hell out of here. And they're like, why? And he was like, cause you guys are messing him up. Like it was all like, let us do our thing. And then if you guys want to tweak stuff, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. And he was the first producer where I was like, Oh, you can do that. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and it, and it was awesome to get that support. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's always funny to me. Cause he, he's like that. He'll like have these like rules. Like I remember we had the rule when we were making discover the water, discovering the waterfront that, um, no one was allowed to smoke weed or drink until it got dark at night <laughs> until the sun went down, which was okay. Cause it was like January or February when we made the record. So it got dark early anyway, but then it was just funny. He'd have these rules and sometimes he was kind of strict on it, and other times we'd be, he'd be he'd just like mess around for like two hours, like you know he's like because he's such a wacky personality. But yeah. in the end, I like that about him because you know he was able to be serious when he had to be and be joking around when he had to be, you know, and and it just just overall it made the process um process really fun. But but that's um I, I love that you recorded there. That's like yeah, I can picture that yeah, place yeah. like the back of my hand, you know. 
Yeah, it, it's actually funny because as we were going through tracking, like he even mentioned at one point, like he was like, oh, you and Shane like to do things the same, like as for how you stagger things and stuff. Right. And, uh, um, but yeah, so then we did, we did Identity on Fire with him and then we did the, uh, we did the Separate Ways Journey cover. That's the first thing that we did with him. Yeah, cool. Um, and that was just lots of fun. You know, he had great ideas for how to make it our own and everything. And uh, yeah, it was it, it was definitely that was the highlight of that album. Was definitely getting to track it with him. He was just a, he was he was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the best man. So um, you know, you you go from you know this I don't know Kiss and Silverstein, you know, and you get a bass guitar. So, and you're from Wyoming, which, like, let's be clear, I highly doubt is much of a scene hotspot there for music. So, so talk to me about how you know you first of all how you figured out, hey, I, I got a voice and I've got like a unique voice. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm sure that, that a lot of that is natural. I don't think you worked for that range. Um, and then <laughs> your foray kind of into you know Odd Project and then uh, uh, all the all the other you know musical projects that you're you're still you know yeah. what you're doing now. Well, I mean, initially, really, like when I first started in music, I was just like, oh, I just want to be, I just want to be Gene Simmons. So I, you know, I took bass lessons and that's what got me started. And, and, uh, I was always told like, they're like, well, you should just take guitar lessons. Cause if you learn guitar, then you know how to play bass. And I was always like, no, shut up. And, uh, so, you know, like I would try to make things different and, uh, you know, try to do like power chords, even on bass. And that's when I kind of realized that what I really wanted to do was geared more towards guitar. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I got my first guitar and, you know, I would, you know, just sit there and like listen to, to the songs and try to learn them by ear. Because, you know, being in Wyoming, you don't really have many resources for really anything other than there was a record shop. So and I didn't know how to read music like I, I didn't take any kind of music lessons. So right. I taught myself any song that I liked. I would just sit there and play it out in my head. And then once I then once I had it, I had it. And then. I started playing in bands in my freshman year of high school. Um, I was a drummer uh, for the high school band, and it was the very first pep rally. So, like, the homecoming pep rally was always, like, first week of school, pretty much. And, uh, you know, I'm down there. I've got, like, my spiky hair and, you know, my band shirt on. And, and uh, you know, so I was up there drumming, and then, and then this group of seniors came up to me afterwards, and they were like, hey, man, we got a band. Do you want to be our drummer? <laughs> and I was like, well, I actually don't drum outside of school, but I play guitar. And they're like, okay. oh, well, we need a second guitarist. And I was like, all right, cool. So uh, I went over to one of their houses and we jammed and, you know, we did covers of, you know, like Converge and uh, Hate oh, yeah. Breed and like, okay, okay. And, you know, like, and, you know, some of that earlier, you know, like hardcore stuff. And that's what got me started really playing in a band. And then as we started going through the years of me going through high school, you know, you start to hear the transition of how, of how kill switch engage started to where they ended up, um, you know, adding more singing, adding more choruses. There were more hardcore bands now transitioning to metalcore, And so everybody was like, well, who can sing? And at that point I, I didn't know I could sing. I was like, I guess I'll try. And, uh, so they're like, well, I guess this is the chorus. Let's just try to write something. So then I quickly became the person who did all the singing choruses. Well, of course right. the front man did all of the screaming. Um, and then as I was going through that band, there was one other band in our town who was the pop punk band. And as I was getting more into bands like Finch and the used and taking back Sunday and you guys, I was like, well, I want to do something that's more in this realm while these guys want to do more of the metalcore stuff. Right. So then I formed a three piece where I was then still playing guitar and doing all of the singing. Um, 
And so it was just me and my buddy, John, not the same John as signals. Um, and then, uh, and then our drummer Brody. Uh, so, you know, we did more of that, I guess, screamo type stuff. And, uh, then after high school, like we were all dead set on moving to Southern California and, and, you know, making an honest, you know, you know, pitch at it. So we moved out there. That's when I quickly learned that nobody really wanted to work on the band. Um, you know, I would go and I would walk around like the malls and I'd, I'd wait after chain reaction shows and I'd hand out flyers that I had made in like paint. They looked like garbage. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, that, that broken hearted feel of handing it to someone and then literally five seconds, you see it oh, float yeah. back because they had already dropped it on the ground. Right. Um, so I went through all that when I first moved to California and uh, started auditioning for other bands because I realized that the band I moved there with wasn't really they didn't, you know, really want to do it anymore, I guess. Like once they got there, it's like, oh, man, like this is real. Like we need like real jobs and stuff. Um you know, I struggled for a long time. I worked at Hot Topic and all I would eat for the day is like the dollar menu from McDonald's. I'd get right. a double cheeseburger and a small fry. And I always had the exact amount. It was like $2 and 14 cents. Oh man. <laughs> and you still remember. <laughs> oh yeah. And then at night I would have ramen or something. And then, you know, Taco Tuesday at Del Taco was always like the, the moment. Cause I'd get like nine tacos for like three bucks. And after, you know, it's like being on like Survivor and getting like a reward. Like I was like on Tuesday, I would just feast with all my tacos. Oh, man. And, uh, and, uh, and then I'd go right back to, to you know, struggling and everything. And, and it was in that period of time that, you know, I, I found out that, that the band Odd Project was looking for a band or uh, for, for a new front man. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like I've seen them before. Like I've heard their name a lot. Like their name was always thrown around a lot in the Southern California yeah. scene. Um. You know, kind of how, you know, like, Stick to Your Guns was always, like, a really strong, like, Orange County band for a long time. Um, And then, you know, things catapulted for them. But Odd Project kind of had that in the early days of, you know, they would always headline Chain Reaction and have some other bands play under them. Um, So I auditioned for them, ended up joining them. I did an album. Um, But the band was kind of disintegrating as I joined them. Like, as soon as I was joining, like, two of the guys were just so over it because I didn't realize how long they had been looking for a singer. It It had been, like, a year. Um, so they were just kind of over it by the time I came in and then we had to replace them, which one of the replacements was John on, on base. Um, and then, you know, some of the other kind of friends within their group filled in some of the other pieces. Um, and then we put out that album. We did like two little tours where we, one of them, uh, we took my mom's Ford excursion. (laughs) I had to fly out to Wyoming and drive it back to Southern California <laughs> and wow. like we would all sleep in it. It was miserable. Um, <laughs> you know, like we blew a tire out all the way up in like the Northeast. And, uh, have you ever heard of the band spoken? No, I don't you think so. Heard? Oh man. Um, so, um, we'll definitely check them out. Um, okay. but they were the nicest dudes ever. Um, and, uh, you know, they walked up to me after our last show on the tour, which half of it had been canceled because bands were just dropping like flies. Um, I'm sure you've been in that boat before where it's just this tour destined to fail before it even starts. Um, and you know, he slips me a hundred bucks cause he was like, man, I know that you guys have to get home and you have a busted oh, tire. Wow. So I hope this helps. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'll always remember stuff like that. Sure, um, sure. you know, like they were just like the sweetest dudes ever. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like once odd project was clearly kind of like moving on my way out, I then joined this little like garage band who pretty much just did Iron Maiden covers. <laughs> and, uh, you got so the voice for odd that. project wasn't like clearly done. It was just like, I didn't know what we were doing anymore. And I still wanted to play music. I was like, I have this itch. 
and I went and auditioned for these guys, and they were so freaking talented. I mean, they could cover Iron Maiden like, you know, like nothing I had ever seen. And I was like, well, I mean, is this something that you guys want to do? And of course, at the time, they're like, oh, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like a rare, you know, blood type or something. Somebody who's willing to kind of literally take all these steps back in life to try to do it. Um, you know, it's almost like you walk to the edge and it's like, well, hold on. What do I have to sacrifice to do this? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's what I came to with that group. And then that's when a Skylight Drive came in, into the fold. I actually auditioned for two bands at the same time. I auditioned for Versa Emerge. Um, oh, really? And I actually wrote the first single that they put out with Sierra. I actually wrote all the melodies for that song. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I was a little bitter about it. I won't lie. They just changed the words. And I was like, oh, man, well, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I flew all the way out to Florida. I tried out for them. Um, you know, super nice dudes. And then I actually wrote Dance, Gavin Dance, because they were looking for a singer, too. Um, but yeah. I just never heard back. And then I wrote Hit the Lights as well. They were another band I reached out to, but didn't hear back. Um, but then it was actually two of the guys in a Skylight Drive wrote me literally within five minutes of each other. Um you know, to be like, yeah, man, you know, like we want you to come try out. Um, and uh, I know only like the week before I went out, Telly from now the word alive, he had actually tried out for a Skylight Drive too. So him and I kind of crossed. Um, and yeah, the, 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 there were so many moving parts like going on at that time where I was like, I didn't really care where I landed. I was like, I'll move to Florida. I'll move up to Northern California. Yeah. I'll move to this place. So, like wherever hit the lights are from, maybe it's Ohio or something, but I just, I just had my eyes on it and I was like, this is what I want to do. And if I can't find a band out here, who's going to do it, I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah. And, uh, and then a Skylight Drive landed and started 2008 that kind of catapulted. I picked up and moved from Southern California to Northern, like after, I mean, it was only like two weeks after I joined that I was like, all right, so where am I living? <laughs> wow. Wow. Which, um, which Versa Emerge song was it that, uh, that you, you wrote? You ever get it? You ever see any uh, royalties from that? Nothing? No. And, and it's funny because a kid actually caught wind of it and they posted something on YouTube and they sent me a link and they were all like, yeah. Um, cause I had shown him the demo that I did and, um, and I didn't think he was going to do anything with it. And then he went and he yes. posted it on YouTube and literally within, like an hour it was taken down for like the you know oh you know, really like infringing yeah. of trademarks <laughs> or whatever let me see if i can find the song um let me just look it up real that's fast that's super funny that's super funny man no well yeah it sounds like you were you know uh you were a hot commodity there i mean you know trying out <laughs> for all these bands and and um you know you made a little bit of a name for yourself kind of with with odd project um and it's no you know um no surprise that with Skylet Drive, you started to, you know, get a lot of uh, success and, you know, you guys started to blow up. And, you know, I remember hearing about you guys um, and saying to myself, like, oh, we got to get these guys on one of our tours. You know, they're they're really making some big waves. So talk to me about the, the growth of a Skylet Drive from, you know, when you joined, you know, starting to see this uptick. Um and just kind of how it affected you and the band and everything, because sometimes success has a way of, you know, uh, changing things. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, you know, things just kind of kept falling into place, like not nicely, like most people would think like, you know, nicely is, you know, they all live where you already live. You can still live with your parents and, you know, you don't have to really worry about things, but I always kind of like floated around. Like I lived with yeah. one member for a while, got an apartment, 
couldn't afford it anymore, went back. And I was always kind of like floating between because all of them grew up there. So they all, you know, still got to kind of, you know, stay in their rooms that they were in in fifth grade and you know, just kind of <laughs> yeah. coast through things. And, yeah. and I was always kind of going in and out between. And then I even moved back down to Southern California after, after like a certain number of years because I just didn't really like living up there. Like I was like, I mean, nobody sees each other unless we're getting ready for a tour or unless we're riding. So I was like, I can just drive up. It's like a you know, five, six hour drive. Yeah. And I would, and I would make that drive. So, you know, it's like, all right, it's time to get ready for, for like a tour, go up like a week early. They will have already been practicing for a week to get the music down. And, uh, and then I would kind of show up for the last week before it, to, you know, get things into tour shape. Um, sure. You know, nothing's worse than playing the first show and feeling awesome. Second show feeling not quite as good. And then like the third through like the seventh is like this, like callousing of the, of the vocal cords, you know, to get it like tour ready. <laughs> right, right, right. No, it's, that's another interesting thing too, that you say about how, you know, the, you guys didn't hang out. I, I guess like, you know, they, you knew each other, you were friends on tour, but you didn't hang out. And, and a lot of bands are different like that, you know? Um, and for some bands that can work really well, having more of a professional relationship where like, you know, you guys are still friends, but you aren't seeing each other, you know? Cause I remember, um, I think it was, um, we came as Romans, you know, they were all like best mm-hmm. friends in Michigan and Royal Oak, you know, and they would all go home from tour and like that night they're at the same bar, you know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> I always think of like, dude, man, after two months in a van with somebody, I need a little break, you know? So it can be healthy, but I guess like you also need to be close. It's, it's a weird, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird little uh, duality there. Yeah. Well, it was just, it, it was kind of depressing up, up where they lived. Cause I, you know, I grew up in a small town. So it's like, you know, I spent age like 11 to like 18 in this small town with almost no resources. And, uh, you know, you just kind of like, you know, make your own fun. Like there's no cool stores or anything. You just, you know, and for me, I was usually like a little jerk. I would run around and like raise havoc and make dry ice bombs and, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> do whatever kind of trouble that we could get into. Sure. Um, but that was something that was kind of sad. Like when I first moved up there is that I quickly realized that nobody hung out with each other. And, uh, so I lived with our keyboardist and, and uh, and his parents and, uh, yeah, like everybody just kind of did their own thing. And I, I didn't have anybody up there. I didn't have any friends cause I didn't know anybody. They were the only people I knew. Right. And so after, you know, a couple of years of that is when I moved back down to Southern California cause I knew people and I was like, you know, you know, like my parents live down here now. So, I at least have more to kind of go to, you know, to go hanging out and not be so alone, I guess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about uh, your keyboard uh, player of Scala Drive and living with his parents, and, you know, you were pretty uh, clear about uh, some embezzlement and money stolen by uh, his father, who was your business manager. And, you know, that's another thing that doesn't get talked about on this show that happens and that's you know money disappearing from bands you know obviously like 
a lot of people in bands, they're artistic people. They're not that good at business, maybe, or they've trusted the wrong people. They're just, you know, you know, you're on tour like somewhere and like, I don't know here, just take the money and like, and then there's all these different bills to pay and you don't always know it's hard to connect the dots. But I I mean, I heard $200,000 he stole, you found out somehow. I mean, if you can talk about that, I mean, I don't know if there was any legal issues or whatever. I mean, I imagine maybe, but it's also (laughs) someone's family member. So that's complicated. Um, Yeah. But I mean, that must've been a big part of the demise of the band. So, like once we started learning about it, there were really only three people actually in the band. Uh, you know, like we had two guys who were, you know, you know, like touring guys. Like they didn't, you know, like have any kind of like claim of anything. Hired guns. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they were in it, and uh, but yeah, like they were hired guns, and so there were only really three of us who were still like contracted with anybody. Like when it came to labels and such, right? Um, and it was right around the last tour that we did. It was an Escape the Fate headliner. And, you know, like we all knew that we were going to take a breather from touring. It was just, it had kind of hit that time where it was like, well, so-and-so hired gun, we can't stand. So like, we're going to have to regroup and we're going to have to find somebody to replace that. And it was like, everybody's hurting financially. Um, you know, I knew at the time that my wife was pregnant. So, you know, like my vote was like, let's take a little bit of a breather. And everybody was just like, yes, like we need to like regroup, like, you know, so-and-so wants to go get a job and kind of like, and we also needed to write the new record. So it was a perfect time to step back and reevaluate where we were. And that's right when we found out um, it was another member's uh, mom who had hired um, an accountant to look at the numbers because, you know, I, I lived yeah. with them. And it was the weirdest thing ever. I would always try to, you know, be involved in watching the finances. Um, but I was never, I was never like allowed to, it was weird. I would go downstairs and he'd be on his computer and I was like, Hey, can I get the login for the banking stuff? You know, just, just for like this last quarter of the tour, I lost track of a few things and I just kind of want to, you know, Mm -hmm. cross everything off. And then he was like, (laughs) I'll never forget his story on not giving it to me was that if he gave it to me, it would throw off the privacy settings or something. And I was like, we're on the same IP address. Like I'm under your roof. It's a computer at your house. Like, how is it going to throw anything off? You just give me the password. He's like, no, because then it'll kick me out, and then I won't be able to get back in. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's so that's so weird. I can go log into my bank from my phone, from right. this computer, from right. another computer so over you there. You felt like right there, there was something fishy going on. Yeah, which I mean, like I knew long before that as well that something uh, was fishy. Because I mean, I even sat down with our manager back in back in the early days, um, uh, and I was like, is there any way to get him out of? like the kind of control he has. Cause I was able to see that his name was on everything. He was, a, he was, a, he had his own card to our bank account. Like he's the only person who had his own card to our <laughs> bank account. Yeah. So, uh, and then Man. his son, his son, uh, you know, he had the name on the other card. So there was, so, so, you know, there was, there was Chris and his son. And then they both said a Skylight drive ink underneath it. Uh, nobody else had had those cards. And, uh, it, and it was always just odd to me just how, how like controlling he was of things like we would get halfway through a tour and he would always tell his son you know like don't do deposits just wait until you get home and i'll deposit it for you so we would be carting around like you know you know stupid amounts of money in a 15 passenger van like we ended up having to make like a hidden compartment under one of like the cup holders like in the side (laughs) because we we got broken into once and the people were kind of dumb they didn't take the money box they took like tons of other stuff but it was like too close of a scare that it was like, 
I mean, he always has us hold on to so much money that we need to hide it. That and then now no looking back, I'm like, well, that's why he wanted us to hold it is because he didn't want it to go into the bank first because then there's a paper trail. Yeah. Um, and back then, you know, like we didn't have all of the card machines. Like if, if you had a card machine, it worked at like five venues out of the whole tour and all the others, they try yeah. to plug it in. They're like, I don't, I don't have a signal. Yeah. And so then you, and so then you couldn't use a card. No. And people weren't used to pay like back then. Uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, ca- everyone knows you bring cash to a show like no one expects a credit card machine these days. Everyone expects a credit card machine, which is kind of tough for us. Like, you know, us being Canadian, we always uh, had problems in the past with that, with like, you know, we'd have we wouldn't have a U.S. bank account, so we wouldn't be able to deposit money. Obviously, mm-hmm. now that's changed. But yeah, it was it was a major problem. But yeah, like you just get a Bank of America you know, uh, account and you can literally just either go to the bank during the day, or you can even just drop cash in a bank machine and there's a paper trail and everything like carrying money around is stupid. I remember I left, I left seven grand in a red roof Inn once. Oh, (laughs) my fault. (laughs) We we were in, it was actually, we were in, this is in the pretty early days. Uh, and we, we were in, uh, in Dallas and it was, it was a show where, uh, you know, and I'm sure you did this too in your young van days, you know, where you, you would play a show and then you would just, we would just start driving. And what we would try to do is like get a, get a hotel in the morning, like in the city we were going to play the next day. Cause sometimes if you got the hotel room in the morning, you'd get it for an extra night. You know what I mean? Like if you check in at 7am, then they'll give it to you all day so you can sleep but then you also get the next night. So we used to do that sometimes when we could. So we, <laughs> so anyway, we, we stayed at the Red Roof Inn and we were there for like a day and a half and I had the, uh, the band money briefcase, which it was so stupid. It was like one of those silver briefcases that like actually uh. looks like the kind of thing you would carry thousands of dollars in. <laughs> and we, so we, uh, we had that and I left it. I like put it under the bed uh, of the Red Roof Inn and then we left and uh you know just drove and i think we stopped for gas you know like two hours later and was like where's the briefcase and i just like you know it hit me i was like like oh god (laughs) it's still under the bed isn't it so we we were like oh shit well we got to call the red roof in so i don't know which red roof it is in it is in dallas there's like you know, eight or nine of them. So I started going through the like Red Roof Inn book that we had because we love staying at Red Roof Inn and just started calling all of them and was like, was like, hey, uh, do you have, uh, I left this thing. Uh, they you know, they oh, don't know who I'm talking about. Okay. And eventually like I called one, I think it was like the sixth or seventh one I called and they were like, yep, we got it. It's here. And it was locked. So they didn't open it. They didn't know what was in it. And we drove back and we got the briefcase and, and it was fine, but I never made that mistake again. <laughs> Man, that is crazy. Yeah, it, it is crazy. Some of the things that you do when you're younger, I mean, you know, like just like you were saying, like, I don't know if it's just a, you know, guys in bands of being way too trusting and just like naive yeah. when you're younger that you're just so excited of like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, like this is so much fun and these people act like they're taking care of you. And then, you know, you learn maybe one out of those 50 people actually had your best interest in mind. And then all yeah. these other people just kind of cut you at your knees every which way you go. Yeah. Like, oh, they're young. They're not paying attention to this stuff. They're just out there having a good time. Yeah. And 
And, uh, and yeah, it wasn't until we got like later on that I really started like hunkering down and getting like stricter on the numbers. Like I started doing like a lot of our, a lot of our tour managing. I'm pretty sure actually, I'm not sure if it was the tour that we did with you guys. Um, and you know, Chiodos and LSA. I'm not sure if I was doing the tour manager quite that early. Um, but yeah, at one point I was just like, yeah, I mean, we don't really need a tour manager. Like, let's get somebody to maybe help like this side of things, but finances, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just handle it. Right. I'll pay you guys, I'll pay the crew and everything. And I'm going to give you guys all, all like an Excel sheet at the very end right? so that it was like clear cut and dry. But come that time is when a lot of the damage had been done. And a lot of sure. it was, which is what we didn't know was done being used through like a debit card. So being used regularly at a local casino, like we'd be in like uh, New York and there were charges of like 300 something bucks being pulled out at this casino. And it was like, Oh, well, I wonder who that could be. Uh, the only other person with, the, you know, like uh, with the card. So it was just this huge mess. And then an agreement was struck where like a second property had to get sold to pay back all the members, oh which still, God. which still, which still fell below, you know, like that, that kind of like minimum mark. Like we knew there was more, um, but a lot of, like some stuff was harder, to, harder to prove, but there was nothing in writing as to this agreement. It was just like, will you guys not sue me if I just pay you guys this amount of money. Oh, um, and then after that, we, you know, dissolved the corporation and everybody kind of went in their separate ways really. Wow, dude. Well, man, I mean, that's that's obviously a big thing. I mean, you say you didn't have a tour manager or you were doing the work, but I remember touring with you guys and um, I won't, I definitely you seem to have your head on your shoulders pretty good and tight, but some of the guys in your band, and I won't name names, I mean, I saw some craziness with your band. Um, yeah. I mean, that tour we did, you mentioned it, it was, um, it was uh, Chiotis and Silverstein, we were co-headlining, and I remember we absorbed uh, a tour that was supposed to be happening, which was Escape the Fate, uh, you guys, and, and yeah, and Alisana. And I remember we just made this mega tour, and it was awesome, but it was like yeah. crazy mode with all the, you know, five bands and all the crew and, and everything. That was the tour that not only like, after the Kiss thing, that was probably like the next monumental thing. That's not to stroke your ego or anything, but I was like, <laughs> oh, thanks, holy dude. shit, I'm touring with freaking Silverstein and Chiodos. Like, I was like, this is like, like this is the moment and uh it's like this is what i've been like waiting for is is this tour and i'll tell everybody until the i mean that's still what i say is that that was my favorite tour hands down that was my favorite tour yeah no it was it was a good one man um thanks for thanks for having thanks for coming on um well yeah, yeah. Let's, i mean let's talk about the end of the band i mean it wasn't that long ago um i, I don't know what you want to say i mean sometimes you reflect back and it's okay but it seemed like you and um, I think it was Nick, uh, you know, kind of came to, I guess you just, you said you guys just couldn't get past the, the differences you had. He made a statement. You said, that's not true. This is how it really is. Um, it sounds like there isn't going to be a, a Skylight Drive reunion tour that anytime soon, um, to say the least. I wouldn't really imagine so. I mean, like a lot of a lot of cuts went deep, and it was one of those things yeah. where a lot of our uh, turmoil was was behind the scenes, and and I kind of wanted it to stay that way. Like I was like, you know, you yeah. and I have our differences. You and I never really got along. At, at a certain point, we found a mutual business understanding where we we liked the way that we wrote together, and uh, and that was our relationship. Was that it was like we wrote well together, but everything else was just kind of like you know two passing ships 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and we always kind of had this mutual understanding that it was like, you know, like we see like what's what's important out of this relationship and let's just keep it healthy. Like, you know, like let's nurture this because it, it means a lot to both of us. And um, and then that was kind of the first bridge that was burnt was I woke up one day to my wife texting me and she was like, you need to go look at the band Facebook page. Oh, and man. I was like, oh, okay. And then I checked my emails and that's where I gotten this notification that I had been booted as an admin from the Facebook page. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here we go. And uh, so I go and I read it and it's this complete BS post of like happy go lucky. He's happy for me that I'm having a kid. And I was like, dude, if I screenshotted some of the texts and stuff, like it was like, you're not happy. Like you're, I mean, like you're bitter about a lot of stuff and there were months that went by where we didn't say anything and I would try to draft stuff with our manager at the time and I was like, well, we should say something to people so that they understand what's going on because we know what we're doing. We know that we're writing music and we're taking some time, but we haven't told anybody this. And so like the manager and I would, you know, put together different posts of, you know, well, you know, Jag's having a kid and, you know, they're taking time to write the record and just kind of regrouping things and and it was always shot down. It was like, well, no, 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 it's too much about you. And I was like, well, I mean, that's part of what's going on, though. We should just talk about everything that's <laughs> yeah. going on. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you can include your story in there. I, I mean, like, tell me what you're doing. And I was like, that's fine. This is just a draft. And it never got approved, and it was argued about, so then it finally got dropped. And then the next post was a lot of the wording that I had used with the manager. He then took a lot of it <laughs> to make it sound, like, supportive. And it was like, it's this amicable thing, and it's like, no, it's not mutual at all. Like, I didn't know this was happening. Like, I didn't know that this post was going to go up. And so that oh, kind of kick-started a lot of the, now it's in the open. You know, like, now I kind of have to, like, defend that, you know, like, a lot, of our, a lot of our career was putting up these fake fronts of, like, you know, I'm sure that there were some members at some point, or, or you've seen bands who complain on the way to a signing. It's like, oh, I've got to go do this. Right. I mean, I, it was constant. It was constant, and then, and then they get there, and it's all smiles, and it's all like, dude, like, you know, like, these people are coming here, and they want to just meet you. They want to shake your hand. They want to, I mean, like, this is what you've been dreaming of, is that you get to do this kind of stuff. It should be nurtured. It should be appreciated, and, and you know, like, whether you're feeling it or not, it's, a, it's an experience that not a lot of people get to do, and that was kind of the story of a lot of things was always this facade. And that was the final point of like, you don't put a facade on this. You don't put a fake front on what's going on. If you're going to open up about it, just be real. Say, this is what happened. Lots of money was stolen. We disagreed about, you know, like how the money should go and everything. And that's fine that we disagreed, but don't then tell a story that didn't happen. And that was, that's what I didn't want was I just didn't want everybody to think, Oh, well, the, you know, nothing awful happened, which awful things did happen. And, and I felt like it deserved to be heard. Sure. Well, damn, dude. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, that you went through that and everything. And, um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, Scout Drive was just always a band that was always there and always continued to make good records. But um, I do think that, you know, Signals and what you're doing right now uh, is is really exciting and really good and, and really uplifting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the record is out now. Death and Divide. Did this come out on a label or anything? What What are you guys doing for the release of this? Um, and how's how's that going? Because I'm sure you've learned a lot, you know, and we talked about the music industry and business side of yeah. things. Yeah, so then the album came out on on SBG Records. It's um, uh, uh, Shandan Haran. It's his label. So, like, Slaves and... Um, yeah. I know, um, uh, like, Max from Escape the Fate. 
Uh, I think it's uh, Violent New Breed. I, I think that they're on there too. Um, cool. So it's just something where, you know, like when I first had a conversation with Shandan, he really had this a really good understanding of what I wanted to do with it. Um, Cause I was like, I mean, I don't think we're going to, we're not going to hit the road. We're not going to go jump in a van. Like, you know, it's, I, I feel a little too old to start over, but I still wanted to make music and I still wanted to put it out. And I was like, you know, I, I love doing that so much that I was like, I want the record to be put out. I just don't want to go into it. Like with this, uh, you know, expectation of you're going to hit the road for X amount of days. Um, and I was like, and that's fine. If you don't want to do that, you know, I just look at it as more of like a novelty thing. Like I was like, it is more of like a novelty project. Um, but then COVID hit and all of a sudden everybody's on this level playing field because nobody's touring. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. so now our record come out, comes out and it's like everybody else's. Cause I sure. mean, you know, nobody gets to tour. So I was all like, well, I mean like, this will be interesting to see how v- things yeah. pan out. Very um, interesting. And you like, know, and you like, you know, like we've got plans to do, uh, you know, like, um, like I think Goldfinger was one of the first bands that I saw like doing their whole like quarantine sessions or something. Yep. Um, and I was like, Oh, like, that's so cool. You know, like, you know, so we plan on doing, so, you know, like stuff like that to uh, make up for performances and, uh, you know, be as interactive as possible. Cause you know, I mean, again, we, we, we spent years writing this record and it's something that I think John and I have always wanted to make. It's a record that I feel like should have come, you know, you know, kind of like, earlier in my you know in my musical career um you know if i could nudge it into the timeline of a skylight drive records then i would <laughs> right um yeah just because just of like of you know, like how proud i am of of what we were able to do from afar and he's i mean he's easily the most you know gifted musical mind i think i've ever worked with um you know it's it's just been like an insane pleasure to do this record. And I think it's the first time that versus everybody saying, this is our best record. This one's doing this. This one means so much for this. I'm like, I'm just simply the most proud of this one because of, you know, where things were and where things are. Absolutely, man. Well, cool. Well, um, I'm going to open the floor right now to some uh, questions here on Twitch. I encourage you to throw up any questions you may have for Mr. Jag. Michael Jag Jagman, uh, and he will answer them, and uh, it will be really, really great. So um, that's good, man, dude. This is this has been really, really, really awesome, man. How, how's it going with being a dad? Uh, you know, these days, and I guess having a little more time at home. I mean, you know, thankfully, like what you know, like what I do for for regular work, you know, like wasn't impacted by by the pandemic and everything. So, you know, like my wife and I, we, we did, you know, like what we could even, you know, help some families out, you know, like, you know, kind of put feelers out there if, you know, if somebody needs help and, and, you know, like we're more than willing to, you know, to, you know, help you out if you're in one of those bad positions. Um, so like, that's been like a, you know, like a really big focus of ours, but yeah, being at home, my youngest is with me every day. So yeah. I work right here and, you know, my dog snores right here and, uh, <laughs> And, you know, like the fact that she hasn't barged in here is beyond me. I'm pretty sure my wife's just doing a good job of, uh, of hanging out with her. Um, but you know, she's, she's four and she's just, uh, she's just a ball of fun and energy and loves to love on him and comes in here. I'll be on a call or something. She just wants to sit there and talk to me. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, it's definitely been an, in- an interesting year. It'll be one I'll, never forget for multiple reasons. I mean, nobody will, you know, you've got the worst year ever, but within that worst year, you know, some really special things, you know, for me happened and, you know, 
having a family now and, you know, being all the way back out in Texas because I started in Texas and Dallas and went up to Wyoming, California, up California, down California, back right. to Texas. Right, right. Well, here's, there's a question right here um, from Swalama. I don't know if you can see that on the screen there, but uh, what brought you to Texas? I guess it should say what brought you back to Texas? Um, you know, you've been a person that's traveled all over the place. What was it about, you know, Austin, Texas that, that uh, led you there? Was it work? Was it, uh, you know, your, your partner or what was it? So what, what, what brought me back uh, was my now wife, Lindsay. So that's what brought me back to Texas. Uh, so I was, I was in Southern California and then just, uh, you know, it was time to, you know, find my next path. And she was, she was that path. You know, I, I was still in, I was still in a skylight drive at that time. So I was already traveling to meet up with them, but this was already, it had already kind of reached that point where, you know, a lot of the work was being done by kind of two people. So it didn't really matter where we, where we were, we were always going to be able to, to meet up. Um, yep. so, you know, I knew, I, I knew that my future was here with her and here I am. Awesome. Awesome. Here's a question from, uh, Corey motionless. Hello, Corey, uh, Jag fave game or ASD song you wrote. Um, okay. Game. That's true. That's tricky. I'll I'll try to answer both. It's it's been a while since I've played a video game, just because of you know you got a young one running around and yep. you work all throughout the week. You got to really divvy out and what's important for those hours that you have. Um, but the last game that I probably really liked, um, I think it was called uh, the Death Within. It was on PS4, I think. It was kind of this like suspense third person game. That one was a lot of fun. And uh, ASD song I wrote. I always thought that our best song ever was too little too late. That was, I think that's, I think that's our, the best Scarlet drive song. What about it? Uh, why do you feel that way about it? I mean, I mean, you know, everyone has their own, you know, opinions and everything. Um, but I mean, I, that's not a song. Like I wouldn't say that's one of your hits. Would you say, I mean, no, I wouldn't <laughs> say so. Yeah. Yeah. Too little too late is definitely up there. Um, so then too little too late was on the record that we did with Cameron. Okay. Um, so that one, like the big songs off that one seem to be like Too Little Too Late was probably the number one off that. And then the Cali right. Buds was kind of right there behind that one. Um, but yeah, Too Little Too Late was the first like single um, like oh, okay. that like, the Fearless really got behind. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just something about that song. It was just really fluent. I remember they wrote all, all the music and we were staying at, I think, at a, a, a Motel 6. And I thought of the melody for a lot of it while taking a shower. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I quickly got out and like pretty much every melody I ever think of, if I don't sing it into a memo in my phone, it's then gone. I'll forget it probably. Yeah. Yeah. So like I have countless like, you know, like all of a sudden you hit play and it's a and then me like, you know, like quietly singing a melody or something because I'm in like a big room or something or I went to like a public restroom and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just got this melody and I can't forget it. Um, so I have countless of those memos. So my phone would probably be pretty funny if somebody ever found it. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's, that's super funny. No, I just, I was just looking at your Spotify top 10 and that, you know, that song's not in there. Um, you know, it's, but Hey, you got a lot of songs on a lot of albums and that just shows your, you know, the band had, had a, a lot of, you know, uh, good yeah. music. Uh, oh, you kind of already answered I, this question, but, um, you know, do you have any plans to do signal stuff? Um, I, I, you know, I mean, you said maybe, I mean, like my plan is that I definitely want to perform cause I love performing. I, I just don't imagine us actually touring. Right. Um, you know, just like with most people, you know, like you see a lot of festivals getting rescheduled and so on. Um, 
but I feel like just touring has this huge question mark on it. I think even for bands where that's their goal is to go back to it. So I, I don't put too much emphasis on, on touring. I definitely want to perform. It's just a matter of when the opportunity presents itself. You know, like, does it make sense for us? Like, of course, we're a two-man band, so we would have to, you know, get some people to do it with us. Um, so, uh, you know, like, there's some coordinating to handle in there. But I think that, you know, if and when the the uh, opportunity presents itself, then we'll, you know, happily jump on top of it. Um, and then actually, uh, Swalama over here corrected me. The video game I talked about was The Evil Within. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yes, the evil, the evil within. Thank you, Swalama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, one final question from Patrick MS eighty nine. I don't know if this is a <laughs> if this is a, a inside joke, but I would love to know your honest opinion of Reno, Nevada. <laughs> it almost seems like an inside joke. Um, I mean, we didn't play in Reno too many times, but all I remember was Reno was the night that, uh, and I won't name names, but one of our guitarists was when we sent him back home to not finish the tour with us. Oh, okay. Um, you know, drug issues and so on, where it was like, well, if we don't do it now, then, I mean, and it's something that we had talked about for a long time. It was a known problem, and it was like, it's not helping him being out here. It's not helping us. We need to just kind of truck through this. And, like, overnight, we had to find a way to, you know, like dub in his second guitar parts and everything because we didn't have a second, you know, guitarist now. Um, yep. So, um, so yeah, like that was tricky, but that's probably my, you know, un- unfortunately, I'm sorry if there was like a certain show or anything, but for some reason, <laughs> that's just what completely clouds my mind when I think of Reno. I, I, um, I have a couple great Reno stories, um, but one of the craziest things we were playing, we were on tour with Rise Against. This is back in like 2007. Oh, and wow. and we yeah they they did this crazy like two leg tour where they played like everywhere and and it was that was like right when they started blowing up on the radio so there were certain shows that were massive like we played Red Rocks in in the Colorado we played uh, Long Beach Arena but then we played Reno in this like little tiny club <laughs> which was strange but somebody um somebody like pepper sprayed someone in the crowd of the oh, show boy. and they had to evacuate the whole building. Yeah, it was like the most crazy thing. Um, and then another time we actually we spent Thanksgiving in Reno, actually a sick place to be on Thanksgiving because everything's actually open, you know, like all the casinos and stuff. So we we uh, we went to this restaurant in Reno and we brought them. We brought this like vegan food that we bought frozen <laughs> vegan food and they actually heated it up in the oven for us and we had this like lovely thanksgiving meal in in <laughs> reno so i've got great great uh memories and not so great memories about reno but uh it's it's a one-of-a-kind place that's for sure yeah well it's kind of like austin you know like not a lot of tours stop in austin because i mean and i don't know if it's just you know people in austin are more flexible with driving to either san antonio or yeah. Dallas or Houston. Like, of course, people who aren't from Texas don't realize or don't know kind of like the triangle that, that surrounds Austin. Yeah. Like Austin sits in the middle. You got Houston three hours away. You've got Dallas three hours away. And then you got San Antonio an hour and a half away. So it's always odd when I see bands like in our niche play Austin because it's usually one of the other three because Austinites are willing to make the drive. Whereas like yeah. the Austin shows, it's usually like people in Dallas are like, oh, they'll come to Dallas next time. And the same for the other two cities is what it seems. 
Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, Michael, um, uh, Jag, whatever to call you. I, I feel like Michael is what I always want to call you. But uh, regardless, man, thank you for doing this. Thanks for jumping on Twitch with all the people and um, doing the podcast. Anything else to tell the people before I uh, let you go? I mean, thank you guys for, you know, for coming to listen. Um, I hope you all had an awesome holidays. I hope you have an amazing new year. Um, you know, look out for more stuff from us. Um, uh, and Shane, you know, thank you as always for bringing me on. It's something that I've always wanted to do too. And it yeah. was thankfully, um, you, you know, it was, it was somebody on Twitter who posted it and I was like, Oh yeah, that was, that'd be fun. I'm going to write him. And, yeah. uh, I'm, you know, sure enough, here we are. I know. I'm so glad it happened. I mean, yeah, obviously your name's like jump, you know, been in the works like forever and I've just been like meaning to get in touch and I think you know now with signals uh having a record out and everything it's a perfect time to talk so um thanks so much uh I'll let you go I'm gonna stick around on Twitch a little bit and uh talk to the people and uh it's been fun take care man awesome thank all right thank you guys have a safe day happy new year happy new year see ya <laughs> there it is with Michael Man, that Taco Bell dollar menu, it's just not the same as what it used to be. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, man. Especially in Canada. You know how much they're charging for a seven-layer burrito these days? And they got smaller. Taco Bell, if you're listening, man, you failed me. You failed me, dude. Anyway... That was a great conversation. I want to thank him again so much for doing that. Thank you for listening, for subscribing, for checking out the All Access Club, for following me on Twitch, all awesome stuff. And there's some great stuff coming up all year long. You don't want to miss it. Anyway, I will leave you with a tune. Here is new music from Signals, Michael's new project. This song is called Not If I Save You First on Lee Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next time.